0: You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to another episode of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host, Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. And today's guest is one of the most requested in recent months. Is none other than Sam Adagiki. Uh He is the third player in the class of 2021 uh, to commit to a high major program. He's going to Cal uh, for the 2021-2022 season. Currently plying his trade uh, in the US. Yes, I claim him. Uh, I do get some flack from the Irish um, for claiming him and putting the GB flag whenever I post his content and stuff that he's doing uh, in the US. Um, But yeah, he he was born, well, he was was raised in Ireland, uh, but came to England at uh, 10, 11 years old and ended up sort of playing basketball, taking it seriously uh, with the Kent Kent Crusaders program uh, with Jesse Sazen, who obviously uh, was a recent guest uh, on the podcast. Um, so I consider him UK developed. He is British developed. Uh, that was where he picked up a ball, and that is where he started taking it seriously. Uh, even though he has represented, does represent the Irish uh, national team, doesn't have a British passport. Just to get that out of the way. Um, but Sam, uh, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a great character, um, someone I wanted to have on the show. And it was really interesting just to kind of get into his story and talk about his journey. Um, you know, he, he spent most of his career at Kent Crusaders uh, playing uh, for, the, for the National League programs and uh, the EABL program before uh, making the switch to Barkin Abbey for half a season and then departing to the US. Uh, went to a school in Virginia, Beckley Prep, um, before... Moving to New Jersey, where he's now at St. Benedict's, uh, committed to Cal last summer. Um, but yeah, an interesting story. We've got into a lot of interesting conversation about sort of the U.S. route, why he was so intent on going the U.S. route, how the U.S. compares to, say, uh, Division One men, um what the level of exposure is like, uh, sort of, yeah, the, just the mentality around It's something you know, I enjoy doing. I'm, I'm well aware that I'm getting older, and so I'm out of touch as much with what the the younger players think. So to get an opportunity like this to kind of pick his brain and kind of hear what he has to say about it um, was super interesting. So yeah, really good conversation, really refreshingly honest um, and candid, and I think that there was a lot of insight there. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Anyway, as always, before we do get into the show, please take two seconds to check out our Patreon account, uh, patreon.com forward slash hootfix P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com Forward slash h w p s f i x. There you can start to give us a monthly or annual contribution of as much or as little as you'd like. That goes a long way in helping us do the work that we're doing. Uh, so, for the price of a cup of coffee, for the price of a sandwich, you won't even notice the money leaving your account every month. Uh, it goes into our account and helps fund uh, this work that we're doing, trying to grow the British Basketball media landscape. So, please go and check it out patreon.com forward slash hoopsfix. As always, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, leave a comment below. Let me know what you think about the Sam Aljiki interviews and maybe any suggestions for future prospects uh, that you would like to hear from. Um, if you want some one on one interaction, as always, drop me an email, sam at hoopsfix.com. That's fully private, just between me and you. Uh, or you can reach out to me on every single social media platform at hoopsfix. Anyway, uh, that is enough from me. Here is this week's show with Sam alajiki Sam, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you here. Even though your accent is sounding very American these days, what's going on? You've been there what, like a year and a half? Was it eighteen months? You've been in the states now.
1: Yeah, yeah. About no, it's just been a year, I think. Just a, uh, just a year, a year and a month. I got there in January, so yeah.
0: How you feeling about your accent? You still feel it's quite English, quite English, or you feel like it's going going wayward?
1: Quite English, but I, I mean, I feel like it depends on the person sometimes. If I'm with my English friends, I sound English. If I'm with my teammates, sometimes I sound more American. So. I was,
0: I was going to say, when people listen to this back now, it's going to sound like I'm making it up because you've, you've reverted to very much English, but <laughs> I can assure people that are listening that for the first five minutes before we started recording, you were sounding very American. Um, anyway, I wanted to have you on. Uh, you were very requested, um, obviously, after we, we, we've spoken with, with Cam, we've spoken with, with Jeremy and sort of Class 2021, you know, you're the three guys uh, going to high major programs, So I think it's great to kind of have you guys on, sort of have this little snapshot uh, of your career, sort of now, and kind of hear how you're feeling about it, and then in years to come, you know, ideally look back on it and see how it all all panned out, Um, and you know, and the place that I always like to start is going back to the beginning, so... You know there's a I get a little bit of blowback blow every time we cover you because the Irish come at me and they're like he's Irish he's not British blah 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 so uh I think we should get into all of that and and just make it clear to people my stance on it and obviously and your actual background. So uh, let's let's go back to the beginning and uh, and talk about kind of where where you grew up um how you actually ended up in England what point you come to England uh and then how you actually ended up first starting playing basketball. All
1: right. So I grew up in a, a little town called Dundalk Island. but there's I mean It's a small town in Ireland, but I think it's a big basketball town. Um, Andy Okafor, I don't know, he played with me at the Harris tournament. Like, we grew up around the corner from each other. So, I think it's probably, in my opinion, the best basketball town in Ireland right now. So, um, yeah, so I grew up there, went to primary school, did all the normal kid stuff. I played a lot of, you know, Irish sports. I played Gaelic football. I played hurling. I I played a lot of soccer, football, whatever you call it. But, yeah. So I played soccer, that was my main sport. I love soccer. But so then when I was eleven, my mum actually wanted us to move to England. She thought we'd have a better education, you know, a better chance of life. So we moved to Essex. I lived in a town called Tilbury in Essex, actually. And I went to a school called Stanford La Hope. I was still trying to play soccer. I was trying to go, you know, play for West Ham Academy. Didn't work out. I didn't I didn't know it was that gonna be that good. So that happened. So and then I did that year in year seven. And then in year eight, I moved to to Kent. And my mum my mom was going to send us all to grammar schools. We're going to go to a school called NKS, Northern Nashville Grammar. And then she was like, no, Sam, you're going to academy. I met this guy. His name is Jesse. <laughs> so, yeah. So she said, OK, let's visit the school. That was the first time I met Jesse when I was about 12. So I met him in that summer before year eight he showed me academy. I still wanted to play football. I knew there was a football academy there. So I tried to, you know, join the football academy too. I ended up playing with the football and basketball academy until about halfway through year nine, I would say. And then, you know, I had a talk with the football coach and Adam Davis, actually. His name was Dean. He was like, Dean was like, yeah, you should probably play basketball. It's probably, you're going to be better. You, You know, have a higher ceiling. So... Yeah, I started actually grinding out basketball for because before that it was Sunday League, academy practice, go to basketball, you know. I'd miss basketball to play Sunday League, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> yeah, things like that. So, I mean, yes. And then I just kept on working from like year nine, year 10. I played EABL in year 10 actually, but I mean, I averaged like five points, so I wasn't a high impact play. I think it was year 11, the year I actually, you know, started you know, things started clicking for me. You know, I actually felt like a, a real basketball player in year eleven. So,
0: so yeah, you, that was you hadn't you hadn't picked up a basketball, played any basketball in Ireland or anything before you came to England?
1: Oh no, I actually did. I played basketball in in Ireland in okay. primary school, but I kept getting cut from the team, so I just ended up quitting. Like I was still tall. Like I was eleven. I was probably about five ten, five eleven. I was tall. Yeah. So. I was just, I couldn't play. I wasn't good. So I just kept getting cut.
0: And so football became the focus?
1: Yeah, football was my focus. I was good. I was really good. Was, was, was it hard to give up football?
0: You know, we, we hear a lot of players that, that talk about kind of having to make a decision at some point whether or not they're going to take the basketball thing seriously and kind of give up their football aspirations as well. And of course, you know, in the UK, I think for, for young players, it's... Um, the the pathway in football is so much clearer, isn't it? It's like oh well, there's the Premier League, you know, millions. There's a future in it, like 100%. I want to do that. I want to be able to provide for, provide for my family. Well, obviously, basketball is a, a little bit more of a, a sketchy road. Um, but yeah, h- how difficult was it for you to kind of say, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pack it well, not necessarily pack it in, but I'm gonna put my efforts and focus on on basketball.
1: I felt like the decision obviously was hard, but like it was, I think it was something that's definitely like a lot of things led up to it, like. Obviously, the more I, I focus on other things, the less I was playing football. There was other guys who were getting actually they were getting better than me in my position. I ended up like I stopped starting after a while, and after a while, it, it didn't become as fun because I wasn't the best anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite easy to let go when it happened, but the process of actually letting it go was kind of hard for me. Yeah
0: did Did you find the move from Ireland to England difficult? Like, was there a was there like Is there anything that sticks out in in your head, memories-wise, that um, were sort of shocks culturally or anything like that?
1: Uh, Culturally, I think it was okay because I'm Nigerian and I was around Nigerians. I was living in Essex, so I was around a lot of Nigerians. But one thing was I was a black kid with an Irish accent and um, everyone made fun of me, so yeah, I mean... Well, that whole year, seven year, I was trying to learn the English accent. I think I actively learned it. I think if I didn't actively learn it, I'd probably still sound Irish. But I had to learn it just to stop making, getting made fun of. Actually, so yeah.
0: Did you did you find that difficult? Or did you was it was it funny to you? Like like was it actually a, a point of pain when you look back? Like or was it a joke? Uh,
1: It was a joke to them, but, like, when you're the subject of a joke, it's usually not, you know, it's usually not that funny. I do not really find it funny. I was kind of just frustrated, like, why can't they just, you know, accept my voice? And, like, I would say certain things, like, like, ball. I'd say, like, ball, ball, ball. And they'd be like, no, it's ball, it's ball. And they'd just make fun of me. I'm like, okay, mate. So, Yeah.
0: So, okay, so, so you obviously, you, you met Jesse, um, just for context for people listening, that's Jesse Sazen. Um, he obviously was a previous previous recent guest on, on, on the podcast. Kind of, can you talk about, like, your early interactions with him and, and uh, sort of the impact that, that he had on your, your early days, sort of when you first started falling in love with basketball, I guess?
1: So early, early on, like year eight, year nine, like basically until I, was, until I was good enough to play EABL, I wasn't really interacting with Jesse as much as you think I would have been. He was focusing on the EABL guys because you know that was like James Lloyd time actually when I was when I first joined the school. So yeah, like Dan Akin as well, all them guys. So um, I was mostly working with what's the name, Coach Adam, Coach Adam Davis. He was the one doing all my workouts, my individuals. You know, worked me out every day. I like when I was a kid, I was I was kind of a, I was kind of a prank so. <laughs> We had sometimes we had a bumpy road because I was I was I was proper cocky as well. So, I mean, but he stuck with me and I appreciate him for that because you know he could have easily just been like, yeah, this kid is this kid is stupid, he's cocky, he's arrogant, you know. But he stuck with me. You know, in, in what also.
0: sort of ways were you difficult? Like, how did how did that translate onto the court? Like, when you're trying to be coach and stuff, like, what kind of things were you doing that, that that made you difficult at that point?
1: Like, how can I explain it? I think when I was a kid, like, it, it was easy to dominate, obviously, because I was, like, big and strong, and I could actually, like, handle the ball and take it to the rack. Right. And I would just do stupid stuff. Like, I would... I remember I made my first game I walked down the court. I was like... <laughs> and Coach was like, why are you celebrating? We're down 15. I remember it was actually against Brighton on the 14th. So, yeah, like, things like that. Just little things. And there was also some good things as well, but yeah
0: how, how, how do you think like what, do you think that sort of that ended up changing just as a, as just as a natural occurrence from growing up maturing as you got older or do you feel like was there any like a specific moment where whether it's a coach that took you to the side and sat you down and just said look sam like you got to kind of sort it out you can't be doing this and this and this or like kind of what do you think it was that, that changed it for you that changed the attitude
1: um a lot of it was like it was a little gradual. I was also, like, kind of a menace in school as okay. well and like at that time. So, I mean, but I was still getting good grades. That was my thing. I always had, like, you know, straight A's. But, like, I think it was gradual and just seeing people in front of me. Like, that was the time. Like, I mean, Adam, uh RJ, Ilerog, Um, I think when I was, like, coming into year 10 or 11, they had to buy as well. I used to just watch those guys because they were playing our Brompton Gym NBL game sometimes, D1. And I would just watch their demeanour. And I was like, they're good basketball players and they're nothing like how I'm acting, you know. So, you know, I kind of just changed gradually just watching guys older than me become more humble and, you know, like, you know, actually walk the walk instead of just talking. So, yeah.
0: So, so you kind of started taking seriously, uh, well... What twelve thirteen ish but then it was it wasn't until year eleven that it really started clicking where you kind of thought, okay, you know like you're you're getting pretty decent you're you're all right yeah is that is that a fair assessment of the timelines
1: um, like I think I was taking it seriously like year ten, like probably seriously, and then like realizing my potential going all out was probably like. Yeah, probably year eleven playing the Avon.
0: Okay, and so what happened uh, with the England under fifteen program, Copenhagen stuff? Because you was involved with it. You were involved with the program, right? But you actually, didn't end up making making the, the the final twelve that went to the tournament.
1: Uh, no passport. That was that was basically it. I mean, I don't think it's much more than that. We were trying to get a passport. they were all trying to help me, but it was just no passport. So.
0: But the thing is, the Copenhagen tournament doesn't requ- doesn't require a passport, right, because it's not a FIBA licensed tournament, so so ultimately it's up to the program, because I'm pretty sure uh, the under-15 development program has had guys without passports before, because obviously they've been working on it with the intention that they're going to get that passport later on, and so it's worth having the player involved with the program at that early stage, because they're going to be involved with the program later once the passport comes through. And was it, like, did you, were you privy to the conversations that was going on, what kind of what happened with it, or was it, was it just kind of like, you just don't know?
1: I th- was that the Spanish coach, that under-15s group? I think.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: okay. Actually, down under-15s group, like, I was okay, but I don't think I was that good. Like, I don't think... Like, I was good. Like, one of my best friends, Shagin, I don't know if you know him, Shagin Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't go as well, but, like, he was good enough to go, but it was like... And he was better than me, like, in that time, like I wasn't even that serious. I still looked up to Shedin because he was good. Like he played England the he went to England on the 14 camp. All that stuff was kind of a dream to me. So I think even being involved in that was kind of like you know something else that is just helping me like realize my potential, realizing how good I could be and if I belong with these guys or not.
0: Were you very much still focused at that point of trying to represent England GB?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah.
0: At what point did it become Ireland?
1: What point it become Ireland? Hmm. I think when I put in my passport application, and got denied. I was just like, okay, I'm not trying again. I'm not gonna spend money to, you know. So
0: you you paid you, you you did that or your family did that out, out of your own pocket to try and sort it out, sort out the citizenship. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and how old were you when that? When you did that?
1: I think that was just after Copenhagen. So, yeah.
0: Okay, so it was around when you were 15 or whatever.
1: Well, it was rejected yeah. on what basis? Um, My dad still lives in Ireland, so it was like, they didn't know if I was permanently, you know, right. living there. So, yeah.
0: Okay. And so then at that point, it's like, were you always in your back of your head? You're like, well, you know, I've got an Irish passport. and I, I can potentially represent Ireland. And so there's a, there's a fallback there, essentially.
1: Yeah, the, there was a fallback to playing the Euros, but it was like, like... I wasn't thinking, because that time there on the under 18 team was Division C and I was like, I don't really want to play in Division C. I think working out for this song would probably be better for me. So, I guess I wasn't really focused on playing on Ireland. But like, when my friends started reaching out to me, we played basketball as well to play for Ireland. I was like, okay, sure, I'll like give it a go. I'll go to camp, I guess.
0: Have you still got like a close obviously previously because you you've only represented the three on three team right at the european yeah yeah but do you do you have like a previous to that like do you have do you still have like a sort of close network of friends in ireland from from where you'd grown up or kind of like obviously as you get older you know when i think to when i was 17 18 19 like how many of my friends from when i was 10 11 was i still friends with probably not so many because i formed a lot more of my friendships in, in secondary school you know like did you still have a lot of close relationships with people in ireland at that point
1: um yeah, just like the guys. Because I used to just go back home every half-term. Oh, you were going back often. There.
0: Okay. Okay, makes sense. Okay, so 15, 16, start playing EABL. And that's kind of like in your head, you know, uh, you're starting to get a bit bit more serious about it and, and try to really make something of yourself. What was kind of your mindset at that point? Like, what was the, um, the aims, the aspirations? Uh, what were you trying to achieve? Um, like in your head did you start thinking okay this is something that potentially I could get a scholarship to the States and that's what I want to work towards or were you just thinking you know I feel like I could potentially be one of the better players in the ABL that's what I want to work towards like kind of how were how you approaching it?
1: Um like for me it was just it's going to sound I don't know how it's going to come off but for me it was just like proving to Jesse I was good enough for basketball like to actually play like I could be on the floor. That was my biggest thing. Like, just like getting the the trust of Coach Jesse to be on the floor. So, yeah, that was what it was in my freshman year for me. I think.
0: Obviously, you know, Jesse uh, can be difficult at times. Like, you know, he says to himself, he can be quite harsh. uh, But he knows it's obviously in the. the, It comes from a good place. It's in the best interest of the players. Did you have any sort of difficult interactions with Jesse or? Or kind of like, was it always like you kind of always felt like, uh, you know, he was pushing you, and that actually made you better in in the long term.
1: Yeah, I me and Jesse never had anything like really difficult because it was like my freshman year. I don't think I was good enough to have any difficult interactions with the head coach. And then remember my sophomore year, that's actually when Coach Adam took over. So I only got head coached by Jesse for one year. So okay, you don't really have anything back.
0: But it was still that driver in your head of like you want to prove to Jesse that you're good enough. Yeah, even though he wasn't their coach anymore, but he was obviously he was still around the program.
1: Well, yeah, I guess yeah.
0: Okay, interesting. And of course, the other thing, and you know, I remember that the early footage of you um, in the in the EABL was just like the physicals, like the long arms, like the wingspan is ridiculous. Like, what's your wingspan? It's like what is it, seven 7'2". 7'2". Seven, two, seven, two. Seven, two. And you're now officially measured at what six seven?
1: Yeah, six seven,
0: six seven, seven, seven one wingspan. And have you done any vertical jump testing recently?
1: Recently, no. But last time I did it was summer and I was 42. 42. But
0: Max 44.
1: Max 44. Yeah. Wow.
0: (laughs) So obviously you have and you had, uh, you know, from from the start, like some very impressive physical gifts. Um, How difficult was it to, I guess, you know, is it like the raw that raw stuff comes naturally, right? It's like you have it, but then to to develop the skill level to then be able to know how to use those physical gifts to work with the skills uh, becomes a bit more challenging. Like, do you remember sort of that skill development phase and how difficult it was and and what it was that specifically that you were trying to focus on?
1: Man, it was Coach, Adam and Billy. So that's basically who I worked out with the whole time. Um, It was, I would say when I was first starting to play basketball, it was tough, but, like, I was so used to working out and playing basketball by the time I was, like, year 10, year 11, that, you know, it was just... I loved it anyway, so it was just... I was just going in the gym, doing what I need to do, getting out, you know, lifting, and then going home, basically. So, I don't think it was difficult, but one thing that was difficult for me at that time was definitely shooting, because, you know... I don't know. Like, until you find your shot and everyone knows what I'm talking about, but, like, until you find your shot, shooting is kind of, you know, you're just in the dark. So, for me, I I spent a lot of time in the dark. I feel like, someone who really helped me, I think, was Mateo, Chris's dad, actually, Coach Tamas. So, he worked, he worked at Canterbury for one year as well, when Mateo was at Canterbury, And, like, he was, I think, when I first started shooting, and, like, making shots, like, I'd make three shots in a row, and my mind would be blown, like, I think it was with Tamas actually, so yeah.
0: When you talk about what goes into finding your shot, like, uh, was it a case of just showing up at practice, getting reps up? Were you doing a lot of work outside of the allotted hours as part of the academy program? Like, kind of talk about your sort of, um, I guess, work ethic, whether or not you feel like you had a strong work ethic at that point.
1: I mean, I definitely did. It was work every day, like, because. I was still playing MBL 16s, like, I was still practicing NBL 16s, practicing EABL, I was lifting and then do my individual workouts in the day and then when I would go home, I'd probably shoot outside because I had like a grass court, like, it was a basketball room but it was all grass outside my mum's house, so then I would shoot there if it wasn't muddy. and then basically, yeah.
0: So, you did, how many years did you end up doing uh, with the Crusaders? Or in can- can- Canterbury.
1: In total, you're eight, you're nine, you're ten, you're eleven. So four. Yeah, four.
0: And then, of course, you, you made the you made the decision to switch to Barkin Abbey for, yep. for sixth form year twelve. Like, what made you come to that decision? Why Why did you uh, choose to make the switch?
1: So initially, I thought I was gonna just you know, like go to the states or like go to Europe after year eleven. Was that and the intention? Jess, you you
0: were trying to leave. You were trying to leave as soon as you finished your GCSEs.
1: I was just trying to go to the states. Like actually, good story. At the end of year ten, I actually tried to go to the states, which is something pe- a lot of people don't know. I was going to play in Texas, and uh, my visa actually got denied. I think they will just being a bit iffy with me, but it is what it is. Why were so, you? Why were you
0: so intent on going the US route? Why did you feel like you needed to be in a situation where you were going to a, a US high school rather than staying in the UK?
1: I was just seeing all these kids that I thought I was better than, you know, and getting recognition. And it was, remember, it was my freshman year. A lot of freshmen were getting offers, like, and I was like, I'm definitely better than this kid, like. And they're getting offers, and a college coach hasn't called me, so it's like, you know.
0: You mean you're talking about was, English kids getting offers?
1: No, like American kids,
0: like. How did you know I've, you were better than like kids you'd seen on video or whatever?
1: Yeah, I'd see them on video and be like, i will def- definitely have him,
0: you know. <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> and so, like, the
0: in- cause the interesting thing for me is and that's why I, I sort of I like having these conversations uh, with with younger guys because it's just interesting to kind of get in the the mindset because you know, I can I can see things as a independent observer and I've seen you know over the ten eleven years that I've been doing this I've kind of seen the waves. Of things that have changed and I think that we kind of got to a period where um, a lot of players weren't going to to high school anymore like there was a stage where every player was doing at least a a year or uh, of high school or prep school um, to kind of get used to the sort of make the transition to the into the into the American game get that exposure try to get um you know looks if they hadn't already got looks and then we kind of went through a period where you know a bunch of players were, were actually able to go straight to the US uh on scholarship to college from the UK without needing that 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 time uh high school like what was it in your mind that made you feel like it was necessary for you to go the, the high school route rather than stay, whether it be at Canterbury, whether it be at Barking Abbey until you were 18, 19 and then go direct from the UK?
1: Like at that time, like me playing division one, like I hadn't had that conversation with anyone. So like, I was just, I knew like, I was just trying to get it all basically. I was, I was trying to get everything. And I knew like going to America would probably be the quickest way. What made you what, made you? what made you? What made you feel like that, video. though?
0: Like, what, what made you feel like that? Like, what was it that made you have that inside of you?
1: Because it's just like, I just feel like all these kids. Because I think what's it called? MS, MSH TV. That's what I was watching. Because middle I was school like hoops. Kind of that yeah, yeah. So I was like, look, Kyrie Walker. <laughs> like that was when Julian Newman people thought he was still good at basketball, but um. I was like, if I'm on the same course as these guys, I'll definitely be able to, you know, give it to them. And I was like, the only way I can be on the same court as them is if I'm over there. So that was my main thing in my head.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, fair, fair enough. That, that that makes sense. So you tried to go in year 10. Visa was denied. Uh, Because on, on what basis was it denied?
1: Actually, don't know. I don't know. I think they thought the school was shady. It was, it was a pop-up prep school. I remember that. It was cool. Okay. Yeah,
0: and you school had no you had no concerns about your eligibility at that point. Leaving before you completed your GCSEs,
1: Jesse told me, but I didn't care. I mean, and the thing is, um, I hadn't. It only really matters if you take your GCSEs. If you do that four years in high school, you know, it'll, it's just like normal high school.
0: Okay, so so you tried in year ten, it didn't happen, and then of course you you decided to go to Barking Abbey. What made you decide to go to Barking Abbey then? Was that because the states wasn't an option? So you knew you had to stay in the UK, and why not stay at Canterbury? Why make the option to go to Barking Abbey?
1: Jesse told me. Jesse told me like it's the next step, and I believed them. And you know, I'm obviously not gonna argue with Jesse's opinion because it's Jesse. So I was like, yeah, it gotta be the next step. They beat us in EABL. I guess they're doing something right. So yeah i don't think it was that hard to make that decision
0: and obviously you ended up doing basically half a season right you left in you left in what january february time
1: yeah january 1st
0: january 1st yeah because i remember because the last last tournament you played in was the btm btm tournament at uel and i didn't even realize you'd left and then and then i can't remember who i spoke to you. and i was like oh i don't know i said how sam doing or something like that and they're like oh he's not even here anymore i was like what and uh yeah, obviously, if I had found out you'd left, so kind of, kind of, what happened? What were the circumstances around around your departure? Obviously, you know, leaving mid-season is never, never ideal, right?
1: Yeah, but um, the like the the visa stuff, like, I, it was it would all be cleared up because you have to, you know, there is like a one-hour thing. I mean, not one hour, one year, you know, kind of reset time on your visa before you can apply again. So that'll be cleared up. Like, it was still in my mind, like. Going to the states was always in my mind, like always. You know, that's what I just wanted to be. That's where I thought I could be able to prove myself. So that was always in the back of my mind. I was playing bar- for Barking. Like I had a few good games. I thought I was kind of inconsistent there. Um, what could I say? What can I say? I just thought my goals, like, like my goals, are still big. Obviously, I still wanted to play high major. And it was like, I was just looking around and I was like, like no one's, you know. Cameron was the first guy to go high major out of the UK. Like, so it was like, like straight out of the UK. And I was like, well, oh, no one's really gone high major. I started talking. I I kind of think people did get in my ear from the US, you know. Really? Like, kinda, yeah, win me over. Like, what are and you talking yeah, about? So, like
0: high school coaches saying, you need to come here. This is where you're going to get exposure. If you stay in the UK, it's not going to work. Like,
1: Yeah. Really? Yeah.
0: Interesting.
1: I mean, but I was like, I did have like interest. I had like the Montana State offer already. Um, I had like a North Carolina A&T. So I, I did have two Division One schools at that time. I had I had a lot of interest though. I had like big interest from West Virginia, which actually, you know, like was a good reason why I actually moved to a school in West Virginia. So yeah.
0: Okay, so even so okay, so that's interesting. So even though you were you were still in the UK, you were still getting division one interest. So it's not like it's not like it was like uh completely unobtainable if you stayed in the UK. Like you you had you had uh options already. But you still felt like it was necessary well obviously people potentially got in your ear a little bit and and you felt like, you know, if you if you went out there it would what increase your options, you'd potentially get more offers, like is that was that was that the goal, like yeah, like what were you thinking? Yeah,
1: yeah I mean it was just I knew if I got the stage i'll be able to prove myself i never doubted my ability to you know to go out there and kill whoever's in front of me so i mean yeah it was it was a hard decision because obviously angt was coming up that was obviously a, a great you know a great opportunity to get exposure so it was hard but in the end of the day i thought you know i did what was good for myself like obviously i I can't go down every route and see how it would turn out, so who knows if it was the best decision, but you know I, I made it work so
0: yeah yeah like i I was gonna say like, like right now, do you have any regrets like do you if you if you were to if you were to go back whether it be uh sixteen seventeen uh and, and kind of look at the route that you ended up taking is there anything that you like if you were to go back and talk to yourself is there anything that you would have said to your I say, younger self, like it was that long ago. But like, is there anything that you would have said? You know, you should do this differently. Can potentially consider this, or do you feel like actually now it's all it's all worked out as it as I would have hoped so far?
1: Mm, what would I have changed Would I change anything? I don't think so. I think I'm cool with how it turned out. You know, I'm going to a good school. Yeah. You know, I'm happy with it.
0: Okay, so you ended up leaving Barking Abbey. Just quickly before before you did, i will just be interested in hearing like in those, how long were you there for, what, so did you, you joined in September, like, term times, September, so you were there from September to January, so what's that September time in November, December, four months-ish, uh, before you left for the US, did you feel like that was the step up that you'd wanted in the UK, compared to, kind of, where, what you'd been doing previously at Canterbury, like, uh, you know, the, the level of players that you were playing against that practice every day, um, you know, the level of competition that you were playing, like, kind of, yeah, I guess what were the differences that, that, and had it kind of met your goal of originally why you'd chosen to go to Barkin Abbey?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, for me, I just wanted to compete every day, you know. I didn't want to have to wait for a game to actually compete with someone, you know. So, yeah, I knew if I stayed at another year, obviously I was going to be the best player. And when I got to Barkin, it was like, we've got to run now. You can guard Veron, you can play one on one with someone who can actually, you know, score on you, you know. Like so yeah, I mean, it lived up to everything I wanted. I wanted to compete with my teammates every day and I ended up doing that, yeah.
0: Did you have any moments in England where you felt um kind of I don't know what the right word is, like kinda of out not, not necessarily out of your depth, but you know, like when you're kinda of go you're matching up with someone and you're like, This is this is tough, like, you know, this is really this is really pushing me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, a funny thing is um, in like year 8 year 9 I don't think it happened in year 10 so year 8 and year 9 I wasn't obviously wasn't that good but I was getting better and every time we'd be playing national schools right every time guess who I ran into every single time Cameron Hildred scored like 50 on us hit like 10 threes I'm like how can he even shoot that far his arms are like the size of my pinky like what's going on so every time you would I would score like a good 35-40, like but he would always 50-piece us. And every time we thought we were going to win the game, he'd hit four threes and they're back in the game easily. But I mean, actually, I think it was year nine. We we actually got... Their, one of their coaches was a ref and he screwed us over. And he knows it. He screwed us over. I I was driving on... I don't know his name, but it was he played for thing as well. I was driving on him. He slapped out of bounds. They said it went off my leg. Like, it didn't. It, it was a foul. It didn't. Oh, I can argue that I remember it like it was yesterday because I really wanted to beat Cameron at that time because he was better than me. So, like, I wanted to beat him so bad. And, yeah, I, I felt robbed. But I think when I was getting older, out of my depth, probably working out and practicing with Jonathan Brown when he was coming into his own and practice, you know, um playing division one, probably um Zaire Taylor. He hits like a fadeaway three. I was like, how like how are you hitting a fadeaway three with someone who's bigger and longer than you? Um who else was really good? Someone that doesn't really get mentioned a lot. A Hemel, um Greg Polian. He was yeah, he was really tough to guard as well. Um I'm trying to think. Trying to think. Trying
0: do, do you feel like interesting like obviously, you know, you're in a, when you when you're at Barking Abbey, um, it's a unique situation for for the players that are there in the sense of they're playing Division One men, which you know most other academy programs aren't able to offer that situation. Um, but I'd be interested in hearing like obviously you're you're potentially playing Division One men. You then you've come to the states now. You've done a, you know a season and a half. Well, not a season and a half because you're not through this season. Uh, but you've gone against this, the, the U.S. competition. Surely Division One men is actually a tougher standard of competition than U.S. high school?
1: U.S. high school, of course, yes. It's better, but like when you get to the higher end of U.S. high school, I think there's some things that if they just matched up, like Division One's is always going to be better basketball players, of course, but there's just some kids here that are so long and athletic. It's like, you know, like whole teams that are just long and athletic. I remember last year when I was at Beckley, I played against a team called Hamilton Heights. They were like number seven in the nation, actually. They had a Russian kid called Samson. He goes to Florida. But they had this seven-foot, like, athletic, long center. And he sent our forward shots to, like, to the third stand every single time they shoot anything like we ended up i was just popping threes off pick and rolls just because if it goes if it goes inside we're hopeless i think that's the only way like a like a, a elite prep school would be able to be a division one team just like on the boards and defensively you know like skill wise and like basketball iq wise it doesn't compare like division one men are great basketball players and like, that's undeniable
0: so the law to the states Does it ultimately come down to um, exposure, like, you know, coaches actually? Because one of the things that I've kind of heard consistently uh, is that, well, and I've seen consistently, is that American coaches want to see players against American competition. And they find it hard to judge players uh, against well, there's almost like a a level of a disrespect, you know, of like okay, you know, if you if you were averaging twenty a game in Division One men over here, there's almost like a lot of coaches wouldn't really know how to gauge how good that is when actually that probably puts you better than most kids that are doing whatever they're doing in high school in the states. Like, do you feel like that's a fair assessment? Do you feel like the allure to the to the to the US high school route is the fact that? there's that sort of measuring stick and it's what coaches want to see. Like, when coaches were kind of getting in your ear, like, is that what they were saying? Like, I'll just be interested in kind of hear you, what you what you think about that.
1: Yeah, even, like, even college coaches were saying that, like, uh, it was a certain high major school, but obviously I can't say the name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they were like, I was like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm doing pretty good. It was actually, they called me right after BTM final. I was like, I'm doing pretty good. Like, I think I had like 15 points. You know, I hit a couple threes. I got nice blocks. And they're like, I don't care about no. British competition? What are you talking about? I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. I'm telling you, they're good over here. So I don't care. I don't care.
0: Even even though technically that was against Cameron Hildreth who's obviously now committed to Wake Forest. You know, like it's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy.
1: But it's it's like to be able to actually be a good scorer in high school, like elite. Like you got to think, the spacing is terrible. Like the spacing is terrible because the three point line is pushed all the way in. First of all, so like you actually have less space to operate with. The defence, you can argue they're more like, you know, in the elite place. So, I mean, when they're using that measurement stick, it kind of makes sense, but Division 1, man, I don't think it makes as much sense because you still have great defenders in Division 1. Yeah.
0: So, that move to the States, 2000, so it was January 1st, 2020. Yeah. Uh So that was, yeah, almost, uh, yeah, a little over a year ago. Um. You first attended Beckley Prep uh, in Virginia, uh, which I assume, as you've already alluded to, that was because of the interest from, from West Virginia. Um, how did you find the transition, like from, from England to the US? Like on the court, I guess. Uh, you probably what well, you did you have two months of a season before it was before it was cancelled, like kind of what ended up happening with coronavirus? Like yeah, I'd just be interested in hearing sort of the, the that that initial transition?
1: Yeah, first yeah, two months of a season kind of soft but you know it is what it is you can't change it um transition the thing for me is like they told me like we're expecting you to take a while to transition but we're expecting you not to take a while because you know you have leg as hell so i mean it did it. It, it it took like a game before i was you know acclimated it
0: took one game, it took game
1: yeah but it's because like we were scrimmaging and working out with juco guys and there was an NAIA school around, like, in our town as well. And it was. it's a high-level NAIA, so they were good as well. I was working out with their guys, and they were giving me tips. Um, one of our guys was actually Oscar Sheewe. Uh, he was a West Virginia star. He's now in Kentucky. He was his brother, so I had, like, college guys giving me tips as well. So, like, yeah, I just tried to soak everything in and actually be coached. And, yeah, it worked out pretty quickly that, you know, I, I was good. And, you know, I could adjust pretty easily because, like, I was athletic, basically. Like, most of it is defense, like, for guys adjusting. Because most people's first step in America is, like, like, on the scouting report here is, like, fast forward first step. But that's just the default first step for a lot of guys, you know. So that's one thing I realized, like, anyone will try and score on you they don't they don't care who you are like you know in england you walk into a gym people are already looking at you it's like oh that's samajiki oh that's you know who that's him that's that it's like they don't care about you you know they don't they're just they're gonna go at you anyway it's it's not like that everywhere so yeah
0: the level of competitiveness and complete lack of intimidation is just completely different and i don't know whether that's a it's a very i don't know if it's like a british cultural thing where like there is um I feel like, yeah, we are a bit more intimidated, especially compared to Americans, you know, like, uh, yeah, completely different world. Did, did you find the, um, did the interest, of course, like, by the time you, you ended up committing to Cal, you know, you had, I think, 17 Division I offers on the table at that point. Did, you know, before you obviously left the UK, you, you were sitting on two. Um, did the interest from the like, how quickly did the interest from other schools start coming? Like, kind of how, yeah, like, how quickly did it happen?
1: At first, um, it was it was kind of slow because people were still sceptical. One thing about Beckley that was kind of... It could have gone the way of my crew is that as soon as I came, our point guard just graduated, just left the school, just left, vanished. So coach tapped me down. He's like, Sam, um, you're playing point guard this season. I was like... Ah. I was just playing the four bucket, coming off the bench, like <laughs> you know. So, you know, if I had to adjust to anything, it was probably playing point guard. So I feel like all of them were saying, but we don't want to see you know, you know, like you play a point guard. One we're recruiting you as a wing, we want to see you be a wing. So I think that kind of slowed me down. But as like some of my teammates started to actually step up and play point guard. I got to, you know, be more of a wing. That's when you saw me shoot a crazy amount of jump shots, take it to the rim, you know. So, yeah, like, as soon as I could show, like, my full set of abilities instead of just, you know, bring, down the, bring the ball down the court, pick and roll, hook pass, someone hits a three or, or send and dunks it. Like, as soon as I was able to, like, display, you know, my wing skills and actually, like, what they're recruiting me for, it just skyrocketed, I guess.
0: Have you found the X's and O's side of things higher level in the US compared to what you're having in England or do you feel like it's the same or do you feel like it's less?
1: I mean, the thing about England is like, there's great coaches in England. Like, there's like great, great coaches. Like, James Beer's a great coach. Lloyd's a great coach. Jesse was a great coach for me. Those are the guys I got coached by. Adam Davis was great. Coach Billy was great. Like, even like S&C Physio, I had great coach. I had Mark Dayson, so he was great. Everyone knows Mark. So, um, those, and those. in Beckley, it was cool, like, but, you know, he wanted us to, you know, display our talent to get to college. So, you know, he let us kind of do our stuff. But in crucial times, we, we did execute, you know, we did run plays. In Benedict's, like, where I am now, Coach Taylor's phenomenal, man. Like, you know, t- t- you just look at his resumes. had how many NBA players under him. Like, you can't deny what he's doing. So, yeah, he's great. I think his ex knows elite. Like he's different. He's really different.
0: So you was the season? The season actually ended up being cancelled. Your season, 2019-20?
1: Oh uh, yeah, in oh. Beckley, yeah, it got it just got cancelled. We, we had to shut down.
0: At, at what point was that in March? I assume.
1: Yeah, early March. Yeah.
0: So did you did you stay in the states all last summer?
1: Yeah, I was just working out. Just working out.
0: What was the situation with lockdowns and stuff? I know it feels like the states has been quite loose compar- <laughs> compared to Europe uh, and other places.
1: Um when I lived in West Virginia, we, I went to a private school so we had our own gym and I had uh-huh. the keys. They gave me the keys to the gym like my first day at school so could just and my training was still there so it just worked out every day basically.
0: Right, okay. And then you committed you commit. You committed in the summer. I'm trying to think. I don't even have a note of the date that it was, but it was in the summer.
1: In November. In November. Uh, November.
0: Okay. Why did you make the choice to commit early?
1: Early. I knew what I wanted from the start. Since I started playing basketball seriously, I saw what I wanted, so I committed. Like you know, like cow was everything I wanted. You know, high academics. I'm gonna play. High major, you know, Pac-12. I'm gonna play against everyone, so yeah, it's exactly what I wanted. Coach, Coach Fox was great. Coach Harriman was great. Coach Martin was great. So, yeah, it wasn't hard for me.
0: What were the biggest things that attracted you to Cal in comparison to you know the other options that were potentially on the table? Who who did you short? Did you do five visits? Like, did you shortlist t- schools? Like, kind of, what was your entire process like with with recruitment?
1: Um. I only got to visit West Virginia before everything got shut down, so that was the only visit I got to do. Um, I sure listed privately; I didn't post like a top five or anything. Um, I had um, Georgetown, Stanford, Cal, and Notre Dame, so those were my top five, and i mean, top four. But yeah, I mean, Coach Fox was very honest. The first our first conversation, he he offered me. He was like, "Yeah, we want you to be a Cal." gonna offer you i was like great thanks (laughs) so he was he was always straightforward with me he told me exactly what he wanted i said yeah i can do that and yeah it wasn't it wasn't anything too complicated
0: when you talk about the role that you envisage having there uh like what have they said to you you know do you have any concerns about obviously it's it's a high it's a high level right like do you have any concerns about uh, seeing the floor getting minutes uh, proving you're of that level like kind of what's your mindset around it
1: well for me I know I'm, I mean I'm confident in myself I'm I'm sure I'll see the floor um, they want me to shoot I can shoot you know they want me to take the room I can take the room I can defend or five positions I'm like 240 pounds I don't think anyone's gonna you know so, yeah, I don't think I'll have issues seeing the floor. I know that my other, comm- the other commits to Cal, we talk daily, we're all kind of the same. I mean, my is kind of a bit smaller than me and Obi, but we're all kind of the same build, you know, kind of wings. That's what they needed. I think they they have wings this year, but I mean, obviously they're recruiting wings for a reason, so, and they're recruiting me for a reason. So I don't think I'm just going to sit there and, you know, just do nothing.
0: Is the, is the goal for you to just to be clear? Because obviously sometimes it's not. But is the, is the goal for you longer term to be a professional basketball player? Like is that is that what you want career wise?
1: Yeah, I want to be a pro uh, as soon as possible. Okay, as soon as it can happen, I want it to happen. So yeah.
0: When we talk about kind of like you know one of the ongoing conversations that that happens regularly is is about picking the right situation for the player. You know. And of course, you know when you're weighing up options, there are options to go to a smaller school where potentially you know the level isn't as high, but it gives you an option to have the ball in your hands a lot more, but and actually you know get numbers. I guess is is the kind of blunt way of putting it uh, to put yourself on a pedestal to be able to get those looks. Um, Kind of, I guess when you're weighing up those options, when you're looking at you know potentially you could go to a to a to a lower lower level school. Compared to going to a Pac 12 school, going to a high major program, kind of how, how do you weigh up those options? Um, and I guess, how, how do you approach them?
1: So, I was actually talking to my trainer about this. He was, he told me straight up like, I, I was telling him about Canterbury and how I moved to Barking. He was like, Yeah, like, great, like, you should have moved to Barkin. Like, you get to compete against the best guys every day, right? Same thing with, you know, going to college. It was like, if you want to play low major and only be challenged when you play non-conference games, then okay, then you do that. And we'll we'll see, I'll see you in five years when you graduate college and get a job. That's what he told me. And I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I want to play high major now. So, I am so, yeah, I mean, there definitely were like lower major options on the table, you know, to, to come in and, you know, have a big, big role. But I think, you know, I think there's beauty in the struggle. So, you know, fighting, and you can still play a big, big role in a high major school. You just have to be good, and I'm ready to do whatever it takes to to get that role. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Of course, this this season, uh, you made the the switch to St. Benedict's. Why did you make the switch? Um, How did that decision come about?
1: Um... So, I actually have a relative who, who actually kind of, you know, works here. And he, you know, he lives like five minutes away from my dorm where I'm staying now. But, so he was really, you know, getting me, you know, conditioned to it. And we actually saw each other in Pennsylvania when we went to a tournament. So, I wasn't expecting to run into him at all. And I saw, what's his name, Charlie Lowe from Luffer as well. He played here last year. So, we saw him. You know, we had great talks about the school. I met the coaches. It was great. Um So in the summer, when I was actually looking to, you know, play at high level, which is a, probably a common theme in my story, <laughs> always looking for something more. Um. Yeah, I, I called him. He was like, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm, I need to see more. Show me some success stories. Like 10 minutes later, I was on the phone with Precious Asura for Miami Heat. So that was cool. I I got to meet him too. He's a great guy. So he, he told me all about it. He was like, yeah, the good people just got to buy in. And that's, you know, that's very key, buying in. And so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was hard because I, you know, I was part ingrained in the community in, in Beckley. I had a lot of close people I, you know, formed close bonds with, but, you know, i had to move on like i do in my life usually so i just had to do what i had to do and you know come to benedicts to become better
0: <laughs> americans are so slick with their recruiting like get you on get you on the phone with a miami heat player like just just like that like uh he,
1: he wasn't like he was in pre-draft you know okay while that was happening yeah, right, he right. Got drafted, like, when i was ready yeah,
0: yeah that makes sense so do so, you made the switch. What's been the status with your season? Like, I know that it feels like you've just recently started. Like, have you only just started. Like, what's what's kind of happened with the 2020-21 season? And what what like what was the original schedule before COVID? Like, what was the normal schedule? And then, kind of, what have you ended up doing?
1: Like, the normal schedule was kind of how it is every year. We thought we were going to, you know, start in November, have play regular season, play out of state. We haven't been able to. We didn't start in November. We played four league and like all sorts of different tournaments is like uh, we played as an AU team, but it wasn't even it wasn't even all Benedict's guys. We were, it was like some guys from our team mixed with some, you know, outside guys just playing like kinda AU tournaments, kind of four league stuff. Uh we played that's where the Elite Academy thing from your post is, we played as Elite Academy. We played good teams though. We played against DJ Wagner's team Camden. Um they were undefeated, they said for like nearly a year. We beat them. Um, and that's another thing about, you know, getting to be on the stage with, you know, the quote-unquote best. And yeah, I mean, it was great. We pulled out a victory. It was nice. But um, anyways, back to the subject. Um, we actually got to play in January, like mid-January. So we played like, I think we're 5-1 right now. We lost to Coach Matenga, Blair. Um um, so, yeah, we're playing 5-1. and one. I think we're playing like a 16-game schedule. So, we're kind of, you know, third through the season. We're only allowed to play in-state, so we're not really allowed to go to play any of the, you know, big tournaments that you're seeing on ESPN and stuff. Unless we would be out there as well, you know, kicking ass, but we're not allowed to do that.
0: So, you've got to stay in-state. When's, when's the season then scheduled to finish if it's a 16-game slate?
1: Um, I think March probably you'll have, I, you'll have a postseason
0: yeah. championship stuff like state championship and everything else
1: i hope so but i mean with how covid and stuff are going especially in new york new jersey i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't bet against it being cancelled so yeah,
0: yeah. Do, you, do you feel like like it, it, it seems like uh the class of 2021 are the ones well i mean you can make arguments that Class 2020 have been screwed pretty hard as well in terms of missing out on opportunities playing, you know, March Madness. Like, obviously, I interviewed a quasi and you just think, like, that's just a tough thing to miss out on, like, when you come to the end of your college career or whatever. But, like, you know, but when when you talk about 2021, obviously, they've given, so they've given, uh, they've essentially waived the year of eligibility, right? So the players can stay another year, which means there's not a whole host of players that are graduating, which means there's not extra spots. Um which has made it more difficult right so obviously players like you are actually in a pretty decent situation because you've signed early you've committed you're good like uh but you know have you had conversations with other players in in your graduating class especially you know when you talk about guys that are in the UK I mean, if unless you're playing, in, you're playing Division One men or the BBL, like you haven't had a season. So you know, we don't. When I think about the Hootfix All Star Classic this summer, if it happens, I don't even know how we're going to do selection because we haven't even had a season to base it on. You know, like uh, what are the conversations you've had with your peers, especially ones from the UK, kind of around this year, kind of how people are approaching, you know, potentially next year, and, and sort of what they're going to do about college options and stuff like that.
1: Well, first of all, uh, we need to get back to something um eligibility i have a story but i'll I'll answer your question first um um so most of the guys um you know uh you know obviously they're not happy about everything they're saying like it's hard to get a career if you're not playing but you know the only thing i can do for my friends is you know send me film i have probably 100 college coaches on my phone (laughs) like (laughs) pick who you want And we can get stuff rolling, you know, being able to help my friends, with, you know, get a few offers here and there, you know. So, you know, that's always good. So, I mean, just trying to make the best out of a bad situation. You know, my friend Sheggs is now, you know, he's in Beckley now. So, he's playing there. So, you know, just trying to, you know, I know I'm privileged and, you know, I've got my school you know, I'm chilling, so, you know, it's now it's just to turn back to everyone else and, you know, help as much as I can, so, yeah.
0: An eligibility, and eligibility, what was the story?
1: Yeah, eligibility. <laughs> so, I was, because I completed my GCSEs, I was actually eligible to be in the class of 2020. So, I was actually gonna, this summer, around, like, July, I was actually gonna commit to New Mexico and actually go there. So, yeah, that was gonna be something that you would have you know, a bit crazy seventeen year old playing, you know, division one, a good level, but I got that ex well, I had it extra year already, but I got, you know, extra year of, you know, guaranteed eligibility. So, yeah. you know, I decided, you know, run it back in season, let's get to a good school and, you know, see what happens and, you know, wow. it turned out well. So yeah.
0: Yeah. What well, what um what are the sort of the Cal coaching staff saying about COVID and its potential impact on the season that you're going to join? Like, are they anticipating that potentially things are going to be back to normal? <clears throat> um, and you know, they're hopefully going to play a you know full schedule and be in front of fans. Like, kind of what's their general sentiment on the ground about how it's going to end up panning out by the end of this year?
1: We're all hoping that you know it'll just go on as normal. Like, obviously, vaccines are now rolling out everywhere. But got a couple friends myself to be vaccinated so it's supposed to reach the general public in around like July August so hopefully everyone can you know well it's your decision to get vaccinated or not but everyone can you know who wants to get vaccinated get vaccinated and we can proceed towards a normal life obviously things aren't going to be normal until you know a few years from now but Hmm. like hopefully basketball can be normal so yeah.
0: Are you planning on coming back to the UK this summer before you head to college, or do you think you're going to be staying in the states?
1: I've got to see my mom, so yeah, I might be back. Um, I've got to go to Ireland as well. See my—I have to see everyone because God knows when I'll be able to come back as soon as I get into college. So, well, not even—I'll probably be able to come back, but I probably wouldn't necessarily want to because you know, every day spent my you know chilling at home is another day someone's you know getting ahead of me on the draft board somewhere so you know i'll probably stick in college for you know the whole ride
0: is the nba the goal
1: of course yeah
0: 100%. how confident are you that you will be able to make the nba
1: things go my way 9 10. at 10 like i believe myself i have the ability i look good on paper obviously um, can shoot the ball, so I don't think there's any issues
0: when you say if things go your way, what do you think like it'd be interesting to kind of hear your own assessment of your game like what do you think would be the biggest barriers that would stop you reaching uh the goals that you've set yourself within basketball?
1: biggest barriers well everyone always wants to look at someone else, but the first biggest barrier is myself you know any anything can happen to you, you can get hurt, you know things could go wrong, you can fall into. Any sort of depression at any time, so you know, the first biggest barrier is myself. But probably second biggest barrier would be something you know external, like something you know like something no one's expecting again, like COVID. Obviously, that would be another barrier. And away from that, I don't think there'd be another barrier, except I just you know one day decide to not play basketball anymore, which wouldn't happen. So yeah.
0: <laughs> Makes sense. Right, let's do some let's do some quicker fire questions just to kind of kind of wrap up, um, and let's start with uh, your favourite basketball memory so far.
1: Favorite basketball memory? Mm. Ah, favorite basketball memory. That's hard. Um, probably, probably. That's hard. Actually. Actually, nah. it's that's very easy. My first Hootfix game, I'm not saying that just because of you, but, like, when you asked me to play Hootfix, Fix, I was actually in Czech Republic working out with Varane. And I was like, he texted me. I mean, we were in the same room, and you texted him first, I think. So he was like, yeah, man, I just got selected the Hootfix Fix game. And I was thinking it was a big group message, so I, I went back to my room. I was like, I was nearly crying, like, I was... I was hurt. I was very hurt. So I went back to my room, and I got the text. I was like, what the hell? I ran to a run. I was like, yo, I got in, and it just lit up my whole my whole night. Aww. It was just great so that, that, yeah, so. that,
0: that warms my heart like um yeah like the selection the selection messages don't all go out at the same time there's very inconsistent uh timing like it's like it, it's, it relies on a lot of different moving factors so um yeah some people will get an invite other people will think that they've been stubbed and then they'll get, they'll get a message snub, sorry and then they get a message a couple of days later but um that's really that's really positive here i'd be interested just to kind of yeah talking about the classic like uh just just yeah general honest feedback and uh sort of be as critical as you like, but when you talk about sort of positive, negative things that you would change, things that you'd like to see improved, um, as a player that's played in it twice, uh, I'd be interested. kind once. I thought
1: you did twice. Have you not had twice? No. No, nah, because COVID stopped this year, so Oh, I mean, yeah,
0: of, oh yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. Of course, of course, of um, course. So yeah, like, what would you? Yeah, what, what would be the feedback? Like, what, if if there's anything that you would like to see changed that you think would make it better, what would it be?
1: The only thing I didn't enjoy about is that. Personally, I think I should have got more PT. I don't know who was coaching. That. I forgot who was coaching that game, but whoever you are, I
0: should have got PT. But um, that's tough, though. Like, that I don't always crazy. say that to players, like, it's so tough because you got, we got, you know, we got twelve guys. Like,
1: yeah, you got the twelve best guys. It's like, yeah, and you know. no one's
0: ever going to be happy. And I've, I've had, yeah, I've had a few, few players send me upset messages after, after the game about, about not getting minutes. But it's, it's one of the things where it's like, either, either we do it. And we have some guys that play more than others or we don't do it at all do you know what i mean so but yeah that's that's fair enough
1: i had cameron hildreth and jeremy so it was you know I'm i'm at that time i definitely wasn't you know in their type of skill you know range so i couldn't complain but i think it was great like i wasn't expecting to play in front of so many people it was probably my first time playing in front of that many people and they were all actually cheering and the yeah. dunk contest was great. I mean, everyone missed their dunks. That's probably why I won. I think JB. Oh man,
0: like that dunk contest, man. Like, <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I, to be honest, going into that dunk contest, like looking at the lineup, I was like, this is gonna be decent. Like, I thought it was gonna be real yeah. decent. And it was just everyone kind of missed dunks, and I was just like, and it's one of the ones where we make decisions literally in real time about how many dunks people are gonna get. Cause it's like based on the vibe. Like, if if the crowd's into it, okay, we'll keep going. We'll give them another dunk. Because obviously, we want. There to be as many good dunks as possible, um, but yeah, that that one, uh, yeah, twenty twenty nineteen, it was it was definitely one of the the slower ones. But you're the champion, you know man. You got the trophy. You
1: know, what it was in in that Brixton gym, the far room. We did the the no, the close room. We did the dunk contest on. is way higher than the other room. Really? But yeah, yeah, yeah. You can ask any of the players. Like that room was high. I remember grazing like one of my dunks. I was like, oh my god, if I miss that dunk, gonna be like everyone else. But like. Okay,
0: no. that's that's good to yeah. know because uh, we can next time we go in we can actually measure them beforehand and make sure that they are at decent heights so or we'll potentially even bring them down an inch to make it a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that's that's good that's good to know anyway. Okay, so uh, enough about the classic. Uh, so we've done your your favourite memory. Um, best British player that you've played with or against.
1: Oof, British player in my my age. Obviously, it's going to be Cameron and Jeremy. Like I played against both of them, great. Obviously, with and another one, then camp Joshua DJ. Oh my God, dirty! Oh, I was like, <laughs> I was happy averaging like eight points in then camp. Like Joshua, he was going off. I was I was happy to see him like play that good. And it was like early in the season we played against him as well in NBL four, and he was he was great again. He was hitting all those threes. I was like. This is not the same like he was not the same person to yeah. me, at least. I feel yeah, like everyone's
0: kind of forgotten about he he left obviously early and and, and uh he's one of them players that, that yeah, again, we haven't seen in the UK for so long that you kinda of just forget about him because he hasn't been here for so long, but um is of course like super talented uh of that generation. So yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Best individual performance that you've ever witnessed.
1: Best individual performance I have ever witnessed.
0: Yeah, you ever seen someone proper
1: go off? I can't remember the game. No, actually no, I was actually what's his name? Well, if it was in my time like watching Digit obviously it was Jeremy when he played against Barkin, but if it was like when I was in the gym, I can't remember the specific game, but it was like over my first time actually watching the Addie Added bio play for Barkin. He was playing against like our Crusaders and like he must have dunked on everyone. Like Complete barrage. I was like, man, he's so long, he's so athletic. He was great, that like, man. Like at that time, he was so surreal to me. It was so surreal. And
0: then, kind of, yeah, I guess on, on that note, who, who are your basketball? Uh, I'd be interested in hearing you who your basketball role models are. Obviously, you know the high level pros, you know the NBA players or whatever. But also, you know guys like Addy. Like when you were coming up, when you were younger, that you were looking, that were a few years older than you, that you were sort of that. I guess were your were your role models uh, that you were trying to be as good as.
1: The guy I was trying to play like, like when I first started, I remember I mean, Adamu when he was playing D1, so athletic. I was like, man, I'm athletic, but he's, yeah. I was trying to be like him. I remember I always wanted to play with composure like RJ Idle Rock. I always wanted to dunk like Dan Akin, like just the barking guys. And then I remember playing against Mysko in the playoffs. Eduardo Delcadio, he hit like eight threes against us. I was like, man, if I could shoot like that, I'll be straight, you know? So it was kind of like those guys. Obviously, like James... I was watching James Lloyd up course. He was great. Jonathan Brown in that, in that season as well. I think his new year. He was amazing as well. Um, who else? Who else?
0: And what about, what about like pros? Like, do you have NBA players that you look up to or anything like that?
1: Oh, man, like... Since I started playing basketball, I wanted to be like DeMar DeRozan, man. I thought he was amazing. Like I still think he's great. Obviously, I think he's kind of underrated now. But like, yeah, I wanted to be like DeMar DeRozan, 100%. Why,
0: why DeMar? That's a name that we don't hear as often as the LeBron James or the Kobe's or whoever. Like, Why DeMar?
1: He was kind of my frame, athletic. At the, at the time, I couldn't shoot threes. He couldn't shoot threes for his life. But he was still making it work. That was my whole thing. He had a nice handle, he could finish, he could he could post up anybody. He was nice. He was he was nice.
0: And then finally, let's say uh next three to five years, what what the goals, the aspirations, uh, where do you want Sam Aljiki to be?
1: NBA player. Um I think I will play in the rookie game in the next five years, which would be nice. Uh yeah, you know, just playing high level basketball. If, if not an NBA player, definitely, definitely stuffing up the Pac-12. Definitely. So I wanted, that's my only two options, unless I'm going to be a very sad man moving forward
0: that's a perfect place to leave it Sam thank you so much for taking the time Uh, it's great to have a conversation like I said uh, you've been much requested by many players um, in the last few months and so it's it's, uh, yeah I'm glad to have finally done it wish you all the best uh, with the remainder of the season and hopefully if you're back this summer uh, we'll get a chance to catch up um, and potentially get you in the Hoopsvix All-Star Classic uh, because I think it's going to happen the way things are going so yeah I really appreciate it Um, all the
1: best for the rest of the season that sounds great thank you thank you for having me Hey,
0: podcast listener, bet you weren't expecting to hear from me again. Now that you've listened to the show, please take two seconds to take your podcast player out of your pocket and give us a rating and review on iTunes. It would be massively appreciated and goes a long way in helping us spread this content far and wide. Literally take your phone out of your pocket right now. Uh, open up your podcast player. Go to the Hootfix podcast. You'll see the option to leave a rating and review. Drop us a five star if you love it. And uh, if you could take two seconds just to write a review as well, it would be massively, massively appreciated. Thank you and speak to you next week you are listening to the hoops fix podcast the official voice of the uk's largest
1: basketball website visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news videos and more